Hey, welcome back to the Bacon Warrior Podcast. I'm SD97. Lucas is here. Uh, Carter is a big news boy now. Uh, we'll adjust their shooting schedule going forward uh, to accommodate him. But he is he's on the news. He's <laughs> he's doing news stuff. He, he's doing his best Ron Burgundy impression. Uh, in his place, we have a very good friend of mine. Tyler, Tyler, what's up? What's up, man? Glad to be here. Long time listener, first time caller. Yeah, that's true. He is he is one of the OGs. So Tyler is one of our OGs. Uh, so Lucas, I, I listened to your post-game pod. Um someone else uh in my life text uh texted me and was like, is Lucas gonna be okay? He feel he sounds kind of dejected. <laughs> <laughs> yeah man i mean i i literally got home maybe 30 minutes beforehand and like cassie gets alert to the games when i'm gone so like she knows what to expect when i come home and she just kind of looked at me like are you all right i'm like eh, like this sucks i think we're a bad team and i conveyed my thoughts i thought i did all right i didn't ramble on too long but I just had to air it out no matter whether it was just me talking in a microphone, you know, dead air or like a group of us. It, I just, I had to get something out. You know what I mean? Cause if I talk to her about it, she's going to look at me like, what's this jabroni talking about? Like who fucking cares? You know, I'm glad we didn't record Monday night because I've kind of, I kind <laughs> of let my thoughts do and develop and we, we I still think down. Yeah, I've yeah. cooled down. I still think Hazelton should be fired immediately. I think won't be. I think I'm. I think I'm no longer in the minority opinion <laughs> <laughs> on that. Finally, uh, but you know, I, I the more I look back on Saturday, I think I have the. You know, I always have little analogies for for shit that goes on. You know, and and Saturday just felt like that last fight you have with your partner before you break up. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. you knew it was like you kind of knew it was coming. You kind of hoped you could put it off for a few weeks, you know, so you just didn't have to do it now. But you just it just it just happened. It boiled over. Um, <laughs> and now you're just kind of picking up the pieces. Yeah. It's it was depressing. Like I, you know, I, I went to the game and you know, I was talking with Ryan, you know, I tailgate with Spartan Ryan and a couple other people, like Trevor Upchurch, who we've had on, and of course, Zanjo, who wasn't there. He had to go to a fall wedding. Um, not that I had a fall wedding. I mean, shame on you. But, you know, I, would, I just kind of had this uneasy feeling the whole day. You know, I had fun at the tailgate. I got pretty hammered on Thunderstruck. I got, I got caught three times with the long parts. Classic. In one sitting. There was so many people. We did three people drinking at time anyway can't do that more than once but like so we had uh we met sparty mike uh mike sterner you know uh dr sparty mike dr sparty mike sparty mike md uh he came to tailgate he's friends with ryan and trevor um and he was like we're gonna kill him we're gonna kill him and i'm just sitting there going what makes you know i i was nice to him you know but in my head i'm like what makes people think we're going to blow these guys out? Like we're going to win a close one or they're going to win this game. And 
I'm not saying I gave up early, but did you guys sitting at home or wherever you were feel like I did in the stadium? Like when they just drove down the field methodically at seven, nothing, it felt like the game was almost over already. Yeah. When, when they drove down the field right off the rip, like you said, methodically just shredded the defense, couldn't, couldn't get by a stop, couldn't buy a tackle. And then the offense goes out there, picks up what, five, six yards on the very yeah. first drive, punts it away. I mean, once, once that happened, it, it was like deja vu from the Washington game. I, I had a feeling it was not going to go the way I wanted. And the next drive just reinforced that. I mean, once it was 14, nothing, I, I felt like it was over. The The defense could do nothing. It was pretty much the story of the last two seasons. I, I feel like um, last year, obviously we got better results than we probably expected and probably should have, but yeah, the, the defense has, has been subpar for sure. And I mean, you, you can't just give up those third and long second and longs and that soft coverage, letting them get 12, 15 yards. It's just not going to work against teams that have a good quarterback, good receivers. I, I, I would, I would even go further than that. I would say it's not going to work against, it's not going to work against any power five team and most group of five teams. That is, it's not a recipe for success where you're gonna, um, it's only gonna work against teams who are now ranked in Tom Fornelli's bottom 25 simply for the fact that MSU looked competent against them. Yeah. Uh, it's, it, it was, yeah, I, I, as soon as they scored that second touchdown, it, I knew it was over. Like there was, there was no coming back. There was no, there was no recovery from, from, from that. Right. Uh, Jay Johnson seems like, seems like he's like dead asleep until, until the defense go until they're down 14, nothing. And then he like comes to life a little bit. Um, but I don't know. It, it was just, I, I stopped watching in the third quarter, Spider-Man's on the PC now. So I just spent the rest of my day playing Spider playing <laughs> Spider-Man. I don't, like there was, there was no point. There was no point in watching that game because there was no, there was, there was going to be nothing to take away from it. There was nothing to take away from this game. I even went back and watched the rest of the game because I'm like, Oh, like I host a podcast that's, that's listened to by people. You know, I kind of owe it to, to people, to those people to, to go back and, and watch the game so I could take, so I could have some takeaways. And there's, there's nothing there. No, there was nothing you could take away from that game other than if Noah Kim has to throw the ball five times or less, he looks like a guy. Yeah. Like, so we, Ryan and I made a pack because Mitch, I sit with Ryan and Mitch, you know, who we've had on here a couple of times for those who don't know exactly who I'm talking about. Um, but what was funny is it was the end of the first quarter and we didn't know where he was. And then it was like, I think it was 17, nothing. And he texted Ryan, like, should I even bother coming in? And we, we just said no, because we're probably going to leave with the next score. And, you know, it was, it was just like, things got going when it was 17, nothing. And I'm, and I'm looking at Ryan, like, what the fuck is this shit? And, you know, we're driving down the field, Thorne's looking all right, you know, running games, getting some nice little runs. And then, you know, that, that call, which is a good call, like it's worked but Peyton just had the ball in one hand out. Like it was literally like taking candy from a baby. Like he was begging for that ball to be stripped. 
And once, and that was right coming right at us. So we saw that shit happen right up front. And that felt like the moment where the game was like, man, this just, there's no chance. Like if it's 17, seven, you know, you get a little bit of momentum, but even then it's like, can we trust this defense to get, to make them the punt, even if it wasn't a three and out? No, we can't. Did Minnesota punt? They punted twice. Okay. I missed those. It was, it must've been after we left. It was. Yeah, that was awful. Um, but when they drove right down the field and made it 24 nothing, we left. And there was even this older lady who was, like, giving us grief for leaving. And I just nicely said to her, you want to – I pay money for my tickets. I can do what I want with them. And I stayed enough for this, but if they're not going to give effort, I'm not going to sit here and, you know, sit on these, these cold bleachers and watch this bullshit. And I just walked away. I wasn't trying to be rude, but she just said like, Oh, your guys are bad fans. And I'm like, no, fuck that shit. I would have said, suck my farts, you old cunt. So (laughs) (laughs) good good on you. Good on you for good on you for moderating your speech, I guess. But yeah, you know, I didn't, I haven't watched the game. I listened to it, you know, coming home. Just because I wanted to hear, like, if if we had any shot of making it decent, and we didn't. Um, but I, I have to say right off the bat, to any of those people on on here, and I know there's some of you who are listeners, and not going to call you names, but why do you think Noah Kim is the answer? He is not, and it's no disrespect to him, but he's literally played in garbage time, and has thrown passes, like. That does not translate to him being ready to start. And there's even people on the Facebook group that I that Ryan runs that I just try to troll or not troll him, but I just am blown away by some of these comments. There's people saying that Caton should start. Like, do you really think a true freshman starting is the answer? Here, give me a logical reason. Unless he comes in and is like Johnny Manziel or Jameis Winston, who weren't even who obviously redshirted. Where, where is the answer to that? Because Peyton is our best answer, and, yeah, he doesn't look good. He looks – this whole team – I might have said it in my reaction pod. Maybe I didn't. I kind of thought about it. This whole team's going through the motions right now. That's what – that honestly is what pissed me off the most. About the, yeah, the most they, look, the they look like they don't care. Right. They look they look complacent. Yes. Right? And, and, like, that was – and that's the thing – that we make fun of Michigan for for looking like in, in games like in games is like they look complacent, right? They act like they're gonna win. So they so they think they will win. And it's just not gonna be like that. I just don't I don't you know it, that's what that honestly is what pissed me off the most. If we were, if I felt like the team was giving 110% effort and they were losing and they were losing close games, I would be, I would be okay. Yeah. Right. Especially, and, and you could spin it to be like, well, Minnesota's clearly the best team in the Big Ten West, which I think they are. <laughs> um, you know, Washington, you know, Washington is going to go to the Pac 12 championship game. Uh, you know, they don't have to play USC in the regular season, so that's going to help bolster the re- their record. It, but it just, I don't know. Like, it just the way we're losing is much worse than 
than the fact that we are losing these games. Yeah. Right. If we lose by three out in Seattle in an, in an incredibly loud and hostile environment, I'll be pissed, but I could live with that. Right. If we lose to Minnesota close at home, I'd be really pissed, but I, I could still live with this. I can't live with this kind of effort and these kind of results. I mean, this is just, this is beyond the pale of Michigan State football. It's beyond the pale of, of Big Ten football. And it's beyond the pale of Mel Tucker, who, who honestly, I'm like the most disappointed with in all of this. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I think the one thing that, that really gets me is how complacent some of the players look. I, I remember watching the Washington game and afterwards they're, they're panning along the sideline and it, it seemed like the only player that looked like pissed off and that he gave a shit was, was Keon Coleman. It, it felt like everybody else was just apathetic, whatever they lost. It was kind of a close game towards the end, but I, I just don't see how that attitude flies with somebody like Mel, who's supposed to be, you know, all about accountability and a big energy guy. And it, it just doesn't seem like right now, at least they're, they're holding people accountable and they're, they're holding the players and the staff to the standards that they should be held at at a school like Michigan state. Right. I, I agree with that. And I'm, I had a take that I want to start the pot off with, but I kind of thought about it more and more. But I still stand by it, but it wasn't open worthy. <laughs> if if Mel Tucker preaches about, you know, like one thing that's bugging me is ball security is job security. And Peyton Thorne has been pretty careless with it. But at the same time, he's still our best option. So that's a double-edged sword. But the more the season progresses and if he's still just so sporadic with the ball, then you might have a case where Noah Kim, give him a shot and like say the season's lost, say – say we get shit pumped in Ann Arbor and we're two and six. I don't see a problem with giving him the Illinois game. I don't. Or the Rutgers or Indiana game. Like give him a nice home game, nice cozy home game. But anyway, if Mel Tucker doesn't fire this guy and possibly I think Ross Ells sucks um, and Harlan Barnett, sorry, man. I, you know, thank you for your service. You're a Spartan legend. You're, you're a Spartan dog, but I uh, I don't see it anymore. If Mel Tucker doesn't like hold people, hold coaches accountable and fire them and move on and and tinker when he has to, then we're honestly, I'm just gonna say it. He's he's Mark Antonio with more swag. Well, I, and here's where I think I'll dispute that, Lucas. If because if this happens, right, and and I don't think it's going to, right? No, I don't. No, I. I am, I am cognizant of the fact that acquiring <clears throat> Scotty Hazelton in season does does nothing. Right? Yeah. It's 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 not it's it's not a, it's not going to gain the program any momentum, and you know it might lose them a little momentum even um, if they decide to pull that if they decide to rip that bandaid off whatever momentum there is. Um, and I get that, you know, Mel wants to give him a chance to kind of le- to kind of level the play playing out. But his press conference on Monday was not the press conference of someone who who has who has absolute job security. No. I've been following sports long enough to know that the more vague and the the more deflective 
a coach is about his own coaching and mm-hmm. about the performance of his players, the less likely is that coach to remain employed, right? For example, you don't even have to look that far away from the program. Mel Tucker said himself, he's a dog shit football coach. A coach on the hot seat does not say those things. No. So, you know, it's just, it, that press conference Monday felt like the press conference of a dead man walking. It yeah. Felt, I, it felt like he's waiting for Tom Hanks to walk him down the electric chair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd, I'd agree with that. I mean, I, I think that you could tell, like you mentioned that he, he was being so vague when he was talking that you, you can kind of tell he doesn't necessarily know the answers. He kind of knows he's probably screwed. He's, he's probably out of a job at the end of the year, but I, you know, I, I agree with a lot of people that say that firing him midseason does nothing. And I, I do agree with that to an extent, but I, I also don't really see what keeping him around does. I, I don't see a way that he turns this around. You're you're not magically getting a bunch of new people coming in that can help out this defense. You're not shifting your scheme to to cover up some of the weaknesses that that the defense has. I He's not big on recruiting. I, I never see him on social media really with recruiting visits or tagged in recruits tweets and things like that. I, I just don't know what having him around for the rest of the season does, at least if you give the play calling in the reins to someone else like Harlan Barnett or something like that. I mean, at least you have the chance that maybe with their play calling or, or something they can do, they can give a spark in some way to the defense. And I mean, worst case at the end of the year, they're gone too. But at this point, I don't know if that's, that that might be the right move, honestly. Regardless, um, even if they just stayed in their their current position. So, yeah, I mean, my I, my preferred solution. I don't know if I I think I said it in Brett's space on on Saturday night is is that Scotty gets fired and Harlan takes over takes over as interim with the understanding that he quote unquote retires after the season. Um. You know, I and that that's still in play. Obviously, I mean, I mean, I think that's probably the best outcome for all involved, right? Harlan gets to Harlan gets to walk away with a little bit of dignity left. You you satiate the fan base by by firing what they view as the as the cancer of the team, and and you know you kind of give the players a you kind of give the players a, a bucket of cold water and say, if I, if I fire a coach, imagine what I can do to you. So I, mm-hmm. I think that's kind of, I do think ultimately that's what the program needs because I am seeing a lot of complacency and, you know, there, there are reports, they're unconfirmed. They're just, they're rumors that there was, that there's a lot of, that there's a lot of prima donna behavior going around. Um, that's not good for a program, especially for a program that has looked as rudderless as Michigan State has. The past. Makes sense if those rumors are true. You can see it. Right. Absolutely. You can see it. And you don't have to look far. And uh-huh. I, you know, that Ryan Black article today in the Lansing State Journal did kind of help. Did kind of help. Did kind of mm-hmm. help kind of go, okay, maybe there is hope after all. Right. You know, a players only meeting. I had a joke that. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> that they were gonna that they were gonna that the defense that Jacoby Woodman was gonna varsity blues Scotty Hazelton for <laughs> <laughs> force him out of the locker make him walk away and shave from the locker room. 
I mean, could it be worse if we had a player coach calling the plays? It, I, I don't think so. And <laughs> that's, that's half that's yeah. half joking, <laughs> right? And and Scotty's Scotty also commented that you know he relied on Darius, he relied on on Xavier Henderson and Darius Snow to be calling plays, and he was relying on on Jacob Slade to shift the defensive line. And but those guys are gone. They're proud. Darius Snow for sure is not coming back this season. Xavier Henderson, if he does come back, it won't be, it won't be this week or next week. I've been saying he'll be back for the Michigan game, and I'm sticking with that. I I don't know. He was wearing a brace on Sunday. He was wearing a pretty heavy duty brace on Sunday. He was he was walking okay, but I don't know. I don't see it. But whatever. I'm not a doctor. Life is short. Eat Arby's. Right. Um. But this is the point where you need to give other guys, right? If you trust Kendall Brooks to step into Xavier Henderson's place and you think Kendall Brooks knows the defense well enough to be able to play a position as important as safety, especially in your system, then Kendall Brooks should have all the duties and responsibilities that Xavier Henderson has, right? Cal Halliday or, or, or Ben Van Summeren um, is Ben the transfer or has been the recruit. I can't remember. Oh, Ben's the transfer. <laughs> Ben's the transfer. That makes Alex. The I'm like, are you yeah. fucking with me? <laughs> um, you know, then you need to give Ben Van Summeren or Cal Halliday the ability to call plays on call plays at the at the linebacker level. If you trust those guys to step up and play those positions, you need to be able to trust them to play, and you need to trust Maverick Hansen or. Uh, Simeon Barrow to to shift the defensive line as they see fit. Because if you trust them to step in for Jacob Slade, you should be able to trust them to have the autonomy to shift the line. The fact that you're not doing that and Tanner Morgan is able to call audibles from the sideline and have you not move a muscle the whole time is that was, that was appalling. Is disturbing to say the least. Disturbing. It's it's appalling. Like they didn't they knew they they knew that things were going to change with the call. So like they knew Hazelton doesn't fucking know what to do. So they didn't even bother looking back at the sideline. That was so when he started doing that, I'm like Jesus. We're getting cooked by a guy who's like 20, 28 years old in his tenth year at, at Minnesota. Yeah, I mean. When you, when you look at it, some of these guys like like Henderson and Snow, I mean, they, they've been out for a while. So it, it kind of begs the question of what is Hazleton doing at practice that these other guys on the defense can't handle these responsibilities and, and can't call plays or shift the line? I mean, m- most of these guys have been in Hazleton's system for two, three years. So it's not right. like they're just picking up something brand new that they, they're not exposed to. I mean, they have experience. I, I understand maybe not as experienced, don't have the football IQ that Henderson or snow or, or Slade has, but I mean, like SD said, what, what about Kendall Brooks? What about Halliday? What about Hanson Barrow? I mean, wh- why aren't these guys either stepping up for these responsibilities or, or being given these responsibilities from Scotty? Right. If you trust them to play, you should be able to trust them to do what the starters normally do. That that's my that's my big that's my that's my overarching thesis over all of this. Right. If you're going to hand 
if you're going to injuries happen, it's football. It is an inherently violent sport and it's a sport. My children will not play, but like as, as someone who enjoys watching football, as someone who both as a person who actively watches football as many nights a week as I can, like you got it. Mel Tucker preaches next man up, next man up. And if you don't trust that next man up to do the things that the injured guy was doing, then should he be the next man up? And if you don't trust him and he's still the best option anyway, then that is a deep, deep problem with the program. And Mel Tucker and Scotty Hazleton should just come out and say so. Yep. I, I, I agree fully. I mean, our friend Spencer Dial, like the phone dial, brought up a good point, right? 55 players have entered the transfer portal under Mel Tucker. Of those 55, only five have landed at another Power 5 program. Everyone everywhere else is going group of five or lower. (laughs) Yeah, The cupboard's bare. We get it. So if the cupboard's bare, you should either trust the guys to run the system that the starters can't or run a more simplified system. Mm -hmm. Like dumb it down or grow some nuts and assign some new like leaders for this team. Otherwise we're looking at best case scenario right now is five and seven. Best case. Best case. That's my, I do not see us beating. Obviously. I I think we're going to lose one of four between Maryland, Rutgers, Indiana, and Illinois. You even said we lose to Illinois and I, wouldn't be surprised if we drop one to Burt, but if if this team can come out this weekend and, and look, look like at, they give a shit, look like they fucking care and win or lose really fucking close, but like just look like you fucking care, have yeah, some we, fucking pride. Like we can see that they're trying harder. I won't be, I mean, I'll be upset, but I won't be like furious. Because the season's already lost. Or the season goals, I think, are (laughs) – they're not there anymore. Um, But if we get shit pumped again by Maryland, if baby Tua – I'm going to give him some respect. Talia, if he just kills us, which I think he will. um, If he plays. I mean, that's the – That's right. He's a a game-time decision, right? Him and Rakeem Jarrett. I mean, if he doesn't play, then we should win this game. Like somehow we will, we should find a way. But I mean, I'm starting to get nervous about Peyton. You know, he's he's turnover friendly right now, and he doesn't look right. That's the other thing too. He does not look 100. percent We were told Brett, uh, our, our boy Odell Brown Jr. did say in the space that I was in with you guys. Um, he didn't practice at all last week, and that's not good. He looked like it. <laughs> the only quarterback who practiced all week last week was Kaden Hauser. Yeah, Kim didn't practice. Kim didn't practice all but, week either. But Kim so, looked Kim looked okay in his five or six throws. <laughs> um, but it looked like Thorne. Had, I wonder if he's got the yips. I don't know what it is. I don't know. 
Or he's got like some upper body injury that's just. I, he I looks, wonder, you know, he you know, looks hurt. He looks like something is. It, he looks like the way he's throwing the ball right now, especially the deep ball. He looks like someone who is who is impeded from from being able to to put all he can behind his throws. Yeah. So I like that's the other thing too is like I if Peyton I said this in the space, right? If Peyton Thorne is going to continue to not practice and have lingering injuries, then we have a Baker Mayfield we have a Baker Mayfield situation on our hands where he knows he's hurt. The staff knows he's hurt. The fan base knows he's hurt. Opposing coaches know he's hurt. And he's going to continue to to trot out there and and give it a go anyway. It's hurting the team. If he's going to continue to if he's going to if he has lingering injuries, there's no shame in that. Again, football incredibly violent sport. I'm of the belief that uh, that human beings probably shouldn't play football. But like if you're going to play it, know when you can't fucking play it. Yeah, I I think you can definitely tell that there's there's something off with with Peyton Thorne. I, I don't know if it's a, a physical issue. There's like a, a shoulder or an arm injury or something that's impacting the way that he's throwing, or if if it's a mental issue where maybe he's you know thinking he has to do a lot more than he really does with with the loss of K nine and with Reed being hobbled and he's just taking on way too much. But I mean, you can definitely tell he, he's not playing the same he was last year. He, he's missing throws that he he was making look easy down the field all of last year against some really good defenses. Um, he's, he's definitely not the same player. And kind of like you said, if, if there is a lingering issue there, especially with the season going the way it's going and probably not even ending up in a bowl game or, or any sort of meaningful postseason, I, I feel like there's almost a, a commitment from the staff that they, they really just need to sit thorn just for his health and let, let Kim or let Caton go out there and, and just ball out for the rest of this season, see what you have with them. And, you know, let Thorne get healthy, let him get the back to the player he was last year. And hopefully next year we have some more talent, some more experienced guys and can, can have a better season than what's going on right now. The only, the only argument all field for keeping Peyton Thorne, for keeping Peyton Thorne in the game, if he's injured is that the staff knows they're moving on to Caton. Peyton knows they're moving on to Caton. So there's really no point in, there's really no point in, in benching Peyton. This is Peyton's, this is Peyton's last ride. We're going to see what happens. And he's going to go, he's going to go, he's going to go join his dad in Kalamazoo next season. That's really the only outcome I can, I can fathom as to why he's playing on why he's being trotted out there down 24, nothing in, in the second half against Minnesota. Yeah, I I don't know if I if I really see that, you know, there's an understanding that Caton's going to be the quarterback next year. I I feel like that's not how Mel really functions, and I, I don't know. I I just don't think you you run you know someone who had the season Thorne had last year out of town for a redshirt freshman that that won't have proven anything at, at the college level, but. I definitely could see it happening. I wouldn't be surprised if next year he does get jumped and he he does transfer somewhere. 
Um, obviously he's, he's only got a year or two left of eligibility, so he's not going to want to sit on the bench at MSU, but I, I just don't know if I, if, if I really agree, there's an understanding there that, that that's, what's going to happen next year. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I'm just, I'm speculating. I don't have inside sources. I don't know, but like, you know, Brett, Brett has said it, Brett said it in the past and, and, and I agree with him, you know, uh, Peyton Thorne is is a solid college quarterback. He he's a Peyton Thorne is a campus legend type guy. <laughs> Unfortunately, for the most part, Stenson Bennett notwithstanding, and even Stenson Bennett looks looks a lot better <laughs> than he has <laughs> he looks than he good. looked last year winning a national championship. Uh, nine times out of ten, you're not winning a national you're not winning a national championship with a campus legend. No. You're winning a national championship with with a guy who is who is biding his time until he can go play on Sundays. Um, you look at guys like Kate, like uh, like Cole Kubnick, uh, Drew Aller, right? Even even fucking JJ. Those are guys who are those are guys who who will who will be on NFL roster someday, and if. And if the staff feels like Keaton Hauser is that guy and all indications from the staff point to him being that, then it behooves the staff to get him as many snaps as possible in game time situations. And, and Brett has, you know, not to keep bringing up Brett, but he's kind of the authority on, on this. And, and I tend to agree with him. It's why we made him. It's why we made him our first co-host in the first place. Brett knows ball, right? Yeah. There's really no point in keeping the red shirt on Keaton Hauser because if he's as good as he projects he is, then he's he's leaving after he's leaving after two years anyway. So so he'll be the starter for two years and then declare for the draft. So you're you're really keeping him around for you're really keeping the red shirt on him in case he needs extra time. Which he might not. Which he might not. It'd be kind of so, great. Yeah, and and I'm all in favor of getting Keaton I'm not sure how it works, how the red shirt works. I don't know if it's a proportion of snaps or if it's just like if he plays one snap in a game that count towards that counts towards like the you know, like if he goes in for one snap because Peyton Thorne's hurt and Noah Kim's helmet comes off. And he has to sit out a play. Kate Hauser goes in there for a play to hand the ball off to someone. That that counts as that that counts as a game towards his red shirt. I'm not sure, uh, but I'm in favor of getting him as many as many game action snaps as possible this year. I'm for that. If you want to retain, if you want to retain the red shirt, fine. But like Tyler and I paid 130 dollars to to. To watch a fucking to watch a massacre. I mean, we basically paid one hundred and thirty dollars for for a screening of Schindler's List. You, I mean, you two were going to the Ohio State game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm I'm still on the fence about going. I'm I'm going to be honest. I I don't blame you, but like you have season tickets, like that's baked in. You've gotten your utility out of them. Tyler and I chose. <laughs> To go to this game and this game alone. I'm kind of, kind of wondering, kind of scouring the Facebook pages, see if there's any like 
Buckeye fans who would I could be like, hey, I've got a pretty good seat. Give me a couple hundred bucks for it. Maybe fund my season tickets for next year. Not going to happen. But we, I with Keaton, um, I think he's the guy for the future. And I, I agree. Like next year could be a little bit of a <clears throat> a muddy situation. Like because Thorne's not going pro. I mean, unless he decides to on his own, and you know, it's like I don't think he's going to draft at this point. He'd be a UDFA, but the this next year could really okay. So say next year we're under the assumption a new defensive coordinator, right? Like a new person, maybe a couple of new people with a, scattered throughout the defensive staff. Say like the first two or three games, the defense is working and like we're doing pretty well. And if Peyton still just like has the yips or like it's just not himself, like like we've seen him be before. I could honestly see this turning into like an Andrew Maxwell, Connor Cook situation. If this gestates over time and, and bleeds into next year, I don't think it's to that extent because I'm not calling Peyton Thorne, Andrew Maxwell, because Andrew Maxwell, God bless him. He tried, but (laughs) he was not a good, he was not a good quarterback compared to the defense that we had. So that wart grew even larger in our eyes because we saw this elite defense and just this terrible quarterback. But I I can see something muddy happening next year where like Caton just starts comes out and kicks ass. You know, he like gets he splits game times like I don't know where our first couple games are, but you know, say it's a couple cupcakes, you know, that he looks really good and splits a half with Thorne. And Noah Kim just decides to transfer, which I can totally – that's going to happen. But, like, I, I don't know. I just kind of have this weird feeling about next year now. Like, someone's going to leave or, like, Peyton's going to get benched. I, I think something weird is really going to happen within the next year at the quarterback position. Yeah, I I think next spring is going to be interesting for sure. Um I mean, like you guys have said, I, I think there's definitely going to be a bit of a QB controversy, especially if if Peyton doesn't start playing better and playing like how he did last year. And I mean, guys with the the pedigree of Peyton don't usually sit on the bench two, three years, um, especially if they have those NFL aspirations. They're they're trying to get on the field as quick as possible. And I mean, at this point, I I would definitely not not hate him starting next year. And if if the season is going the way it is right now, I, I wouldn't hate him starting that the last three, four games of this season, just get him some of that experience. I mean, especially against teams like Illinois or Rutgers that aren't aren't great and aren't just gonna completely dominate him on defense. I, I think that that could be a good way to kind of jumpstart his career and in, instead of waiting until next year against some of those cupcakes week one and two. Yeah. Well, and 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 this is and this is kind of part of my bigger argument about the defense, right? Is okay. You don't trust Kendall Brooks. You don't trust. You don't trust. You don't trust Kendall Brooks to be able to call plays from the box. Okay. If if you're gonna play, if you're not gonna have your safety shift coverage from the box, <clears throat> then what is the utility in playing an undersized but hardworking? Like, not to take anything away from Kendall Brooks, he's a hard worker, and he hits fucking hard. He hits really hard, and he, and he works his ass off. He was okay? the best player on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. 18 he, tackles. He was, a, he was only – I think he was probably one of the only guys on that field on Saturday who looked like they gave a shit. Right. 
but like you have talented guys like Dylan, Dylan Tatum, Jaden Mangum, uh, you know, who are just kind of just who are kind of just cooking on the bench right now. If you if you're not going to have them call plays, then then bring the freshmen in. Let them let them get some run. Because why are you like? Why are you doing? Why are you saving? Like, what are you doing? Like, what are you gaining by having Kendall Brooks out there? You know, getting having one last ride, right? And maybe that's and maybe that too is a sign that Scotty is getting fired because he's like. Because Mel's because Mel is like, you motherfuckers aren't ruining these guys. These guys are gonna sit and they're gonna practice. But you're not ruining these motherfuckers. They're staying in the oven. Yeah, they're staying in the oven. <laughs> uh I I think that I don't think we're gonna be two and six heading to Michigan. I think three and five is the worst case scenario, but either way, so say we're two and six, and then we go to Illinois. And we lose that game. We're two and seven, officially out of bowl contention. I think with three games left, that's when you might see the the guys that haven't played because then you could use their you could you could use them like you said. You know, you're not going to burn their red shirt. We could see. I think Kim would start over Hauser, but you never know. I think that's when we would see like people people emptying like us kind of quote unquote emptying the bench. Like if it's the doomsday scenario, we're two and seven. Pull the in case of emergency cord, and just get everyone out there. Get them some experience in these games that we probably could win. Um, that's how I kind of feel about them too. Like, yeah, we want to keep these guys cooking, but if we're not playing for a bowl game, what's the what 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 can it hurt besides obviously risking injury? What could it hurt to give them a shot? Am I crazy for thinking that? No. I, no, I – Go ahead, Tyler. I don't want no, it to just, happen, but go ahead, Tyler. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I agree. I mean, I, I think when you look at a guy like Tatum or a guy like Mangum, like they're not surefire NFL guys, and even if they do make the NFL, they're, they're not guys that are going to be leaving early. So I, I do think the staff wants to maintain the red shirt on those guys and not burn that, especially on a lost season when they don't need to. But – yeah, I definitely think if if we're out of bowl contention, it's getting down to the last two or three games. I I definitely hope that some of these younger guys get out there and play and they can get that game experience because I, I think it's the best way to learn. And going up against Big Ten competition is a lot different than than going up against Mac teams or or Sunbelt teams or something like that. I mean, I, I I agree. I don't I don't think it would hurt them other than obviously potential injuries, but I, if we have nothing to lose, I, I don't see why you wouldn't let guys like Tatum and Mangum get out there and, and see what they can do. And all of this, all of this talk has been, has been avoiding, I think, kind of a bigger elephant in the room, so to speak. Um, and, you know, L- Lewis Johnson has kind of taken up my mantle of, <laughs> of maybe calling for the firing of a coordinator a year too early. Um <laughs> And that has been Jay Johnson calling the offense. I mean, some of this, it, it has been it has been absolutely putrid. I mean, like all the metrics point to an offensive line that is pretty that is impressively decent at pass pro, but is dismal, absolutely dismal at run blocking. 
right? So, so what do you do? You go out there and you run for minimal gain on first and second down, and then you draw up a third down cross. You draw up third down crossing routes short of the I sticks. Was so fucking mad. Like Ryan, Ryan was already melting down. Like when we deferred, <laughs> and, then, and then and then when it started, he's like, "Let's hope Jay cooks up something good." I'm like, "Dude, you know it's gonna fucking be a Dave Warner special. Run up the middle, sure as sure as hell. Run up the middle. Run up. It was like three yards in a cloud of dust." And Jay Johnson, I, like we had that conversation. Like, when do we start to criticize like Chris Kaplovich? I'm holding off on that. Because if he can recruit some elite O-linemen and coach them up, then that changes the outlook of our team, no matter who's at quarterback and running back. Um, but we need to talk about Jay Johnson. And I'm not – I love Lewis, but I'm not, I'm not bored with firing him just yet. If this is how it's going to be, like, in year four of Mel Tucker, like, if if we're kind of, like, teetering, tottering on the bowl record or on the bowl game possibility and – Jay's just calling this anemic offense. I mean, everyone's going to want him fired because it's going to make us think of Dave Warner and, you know, um, holy crap, I, Dan Rouchard. Yeah, that was – he was the worst. But, you know, Warner had a couple good years. But, you know, I think it if, if, if this is happening next year, then we have the talk. But I'm not going to do – I'm not going to do Jay Johnson dirty like that because he's called some masterful games. And – it, that's tough to do when your defense is a sieve, is a sieve. Like when they can't do shit, it's really hard to call masterful games and still win. But he did it a lot last year, so I'm going to give him a break for a little bit. But yeah, if this stretches out into this year and the next year, then then I'm ready to have that talk. Here's the thing that pisses me off about about Jay Johnson's <clears throat> personnel decisions and his play calling this year. This entire off season, he has he has he has ran around talking to anyone who would listen about how much Daniel Barker is going to open up the offense and how having two playmaking tight ends in Malik Carr and Daniel Barker are going to, are really just going to take this offense to a higher level. And for the majority (laughs) of the snaps, Tyler Hunt is still out there. No offense to Tyler Hunt. He's a great run blocking tight end. And he and he could even you know make plays every once in a while. I I made some. But Daniel Barker's an athletic freak, and so is Carr, and so is Malik Carr. And I understand there's some low key behavioral issues with Malik Carr going on behind the scenes, right? That have been rumored about, um, things like that. But goddamn, man, like. Like if you're gonna if you think Daniel Barker revolutionizes your offense and you're not getting any push, and and even with Tyler Hunt, you're not getting enough push on the line to be able to create holes for Jalen Berger and Jarek Broussard to run through, then then you just need to go all pass. You need to go air raid. And you need to get it in Daniel Barker and Malik Carr are guys that can be check down guys, pressure releases. That are basically your running plays. So I really don't understand why Tyler Hunt is still the leading is still leading the the tight end room and snaps 
when Jay Johnson has spent all offseason ranting and raving about Daniel Barker? I think the one thing that frustrates me with Jay Johnson is is just some of the, some of the play calling just doesn't seem to make sense. I, I feel like the Washington game showed our, our offense was pretty anemic when we were trying to be balanced and trying to force the run. It, it just wasn't working. Our, our O-line doesn't get that push that you need to be successful against power five opponents. And when we started letting Thorne just let it rip and let him sling it around the field, I, I feel like we looked a lot better. We started scoring. The game got a lot closer. I I feel like, you know, some of that energy even motivated the defense and they got some stops and we're, we're starting to slow down Washington's offense. But then, I mean, you see the Minnesota game and Minnesota comes out, marches right down the field and scores. And I mean, what does he do on our opening drive? He just hands it off up the middle a couple of times, just calls a an awful third down pass play and punts it away. And then, I mean, even down 14, nothing, it, it was still, again, trying to force the run like you're your team's at the best when you get it to your playmakers, your guys like Reed, Coleman, Barker, Mosley, like get the ball to those guys in space. Let them, let them do their thing. Let them work some magic. And you, you can, you can turn this into a successful offense, but just trying to force the run because you want to have a good running game. It, it just doesn't make sense to me when you look at the, the way that Michigan state's talent is spread out. Yeah. And, and honestly, of the three running backs, it, the two who have looked the best so far have been Jalen Berger. I think Jalen Berger has been very solid this season, mm-hmm. given what he has to work with. But the only other running back that has that has seen any significant playing time this year that has like looked like that has looked like a productive power five running back has been fucking has been fucking old man Eli Collins. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is like his Logan year. Like, it's just his last hurrah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I forgot he was still on the team. That's that's very disrespectful. But, you know, we were hyping up Broussard and, and Berger, the killer bees, and then Collins comes out and does a pretty good job whenever he's in there. And, uh, yeah, so back to the Tyler Hunt thing, you know, I'm sitting there like talking like, man, we need to see more car. I'm telling Ryan, we need to see more car. And, uh, oh, and Carter was there too, but he left at halftime, <laughs> uh, talking to them. Like we need to see more car and, and, uh, uh, Barker out today. Like we need to have them just, just r- throw it to the middle of them. Let them break some tackles. And then Tyler Hunt comes out and I just, just scream. I pissed some lady off with her kid. What the fuck is Tyler Hunt doing out there? She just like looked at me, like covered her kid's ears. And I'm like, uh, I'm sorry. I said, what the hell is Tyler Hunt doing out here? And <laughs> she didn't like that. But I was just like, this is going to be a rough day. And no no disrespect, Tyler Hunt, but if Jay Johnson wasn't hyping these guys up in the offseason, I don't think I'd have this problem. I don't think we would. But, like, there's just a lot of receipts that we can cash with this team so far that we shouldn't. But it's frustrating. Like, it felt like with a Washington game, like, all of our warts got exposed at once. But, like, it makes me wonder, truly wonder how this team would have been last year without Kenneth Walker. I I really am starting to ponder that. Yeah, I I think that this year is kind of showing 
that K9 covered a lot of a lot of flaws with the team and he he helped the offense sustain drives that I I don't think they would have been able to sustain without him and I I think that it's it's is showing he's a bigger loss than I think maybe the fans and even the coaching expect, staff were expecting. I think he was I think he kept us I, I think we're 6 and 6 at best without Kenneth Walker last year. That might be yeah. too harsh but man I, I just so many games he was clutching. I mean, we maybe seven and five. Like I just, I'm starting to ponder that more and more this, this season goes. And it's no disrespect to Bark to a Berger and Broussard, but man, you know, like people say, Mel Tucker owes Kenneth Walker half his 95 million. That's, I mean, I can. That's a. I think it's dumb. It's racist. Like, it's racist. <laughs> it's racist. It's racist. But like, I get it, but. At the same time, I mean, if Mel Tucker didn't – if this team didn't look at Kenneth Walker, what would happen there? But anyway, that's something that's also been in my head too ever since Saturday. Um, what do you, So let, let's move – what do you guys think is going to happen this Saturday with Maryland? Uh, I think we're going to get shit pumped. I mean, I don't – like there – like, I think every game from now until the end of the season, say for like Wisconsin and – Illinois and Rutgers and Indiana, like those are just, those are shit. Those are shit pumping. Those are shit pumpings. Okay. Those are absolute, like, like just over at halftime game, like over at halftime, everyone's booing. It's, it's ugly. So I don't really see the, I don't really see the, um, I don't really see the, uh, the appeal in, in I don't really see any game where it's um, where you get where you get a positive result yeah I I think if Talia plays I think we're getting destroyed. I think Maryland will take us take us out to the woodshed in the woodshed but or I in college park yeah in college park but I I, I don't see us I don't see us winning if Talia plays. I, I don't trust our secondary to cover pretty much anyone. I, I honestly think that high school quarterbacks could light up our secondary. Um they, they might even have some success with just putting the stadium trash cans on the field instead. It might impede the receivers a bit more, but Okamas High School would yeah, score twenty one yeah. points on us. Yeah, Okamas would light us up, but I if, if Tali is out and Rakeem Jarrett isn't playing, I mean, I, I hope we win that game. I, I feel like if if we lose and Maryland doesn't have those two guys, I I think that's a game where Scotty has to get tarmacked for sure. Yes, I I don't I don't think there can be any any excuse for that one. But yeah, yeah I I don't have faith if Tali it, plays. It's going to be a snowball effect. If I think even if okay, so worst case scenario. Talia isn't playing and the other guy's not playing. Sorry, I forgot his name. And we still get boat race. That is going to be, it's going to have a ripple effect of the fan base is going to be livid on every social media platform. And there's going to be massive boos when this team comes out, mostly towards Scotty Hazleton. Like if they mention his name or anything, there's just going to be a, the whole place is going to boo. And it's going to make October 8th, it's going to make it like 75% Buckeye fans at this rate. If, if the worst case scenario happens, which very well could happen. 
Like, I'm going to watch it on Saturday, but I'm not going to be shocked if whoever Talia's backup is just throws for like 375 and four touchdowns and, and we just get smoked. But I think uh, I'm, I said I'm done predicting last week and I made a prediction. So I'm literally not going to predict this week. Um, I'm not going to sucker myself into it or just be dumb and forget it. But it, I don't know. I'm, I'm pessimistic until they come out and win. Like if they come out and win Saturday, then yeah, I'm like, okay, you know, there's a little bit of life. There's a pulse, but I'm not, this team has shown me nothing to, to believe that they'll win. Make, make me a believer. And then, then I'll be a little more optimistic about going to Ohio state. Maybe like, Oh, maybe we can only lose by 28 instead of 48. But yeah, last week was a prove it game to prove that the team was still good. And uh, this week is like uh, this week is like the thing they do um, is the test they do to like make sure someone's not brain dead. Yeah, it. If we get oh god, thanks Tyler for putting that in my head. Like, I I just see the whoever the backup is just killing us, and then. Ugh, it's going to infuriate me and Mel Tucker is going to come out and after the game, he's going to say, I've, I have confidence in our staff. Here's the thing about that too. And, and I said this and I've said this on, I've said this in spaces. I get you have okay. to say, I get it. You're no coach is no coach, no good coach or coach who is trying to build a program is going to go out and trash talk coordinators or players right the only coach who can reasonably get away with it is Nick Saban and even then Nick Saban still catches a fair amount of flack whenever he does it so I really don't so like people who want it people who want Mel to go out there and go Scotty Hazleton's a fucking piece of shit fuck him he's (laughs) so fucked he's so fucked uh you know Petrowski's a fucking dick shit you know, he should, I'm going to kick his ass all the way down the Albion. <laughs> fuck him. You know, like you're not going to get that out of Mel Tucker. You're just not. There, uh, like a verbal meme, like, oh my God, did you see Scotty Hazleton with his beard? He's still in the office. You could not believe how much, how many, like the Brian's hat skit from. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm very pessimistic, but I'm going to fucking watch. I, I'm not making prediction one way or another. I don't feel good about the game, but man, this, this has got potential for if we lose this game, the wheels just completely fall off the season to where Ryan was saying two and 10 uh, coming. I, I have a really fucking hard time with that. Like I told him he needs to cool off a little bit. I don't know. You he, get he was heated on the walk back to the, to our cars. You get shit pumped by you get shit pumped by Maryland's backup quarterback, and and that's definitely then yeah, that's definitely in play. I mean, yes, like if you get shit pumped by Maryland's, if you get shit pumped by Maryland's backup, and nothing, then nothing changes, then then, then that's 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 fucked. That's terrible. Yeah. Um. I don't, uh, do we want to talk about the Maryland game anymore? I think no. I, no. Um. Did you guys see uh, Tom Izzo's comments about I me? Mean, I'm sure we all did. Yeah. 
about Carson Cooper not redshirting, which I thought was very interesting. Yeah, I kind of figured that was going to happen. You know, you watch, you watch, you watch Carson Cooper's tape at IMG, and like, sorry, Tyler, but this is where we really miss Carter <laughs> when we talk about when we talk about basketball X's and O's. Uh, but yeah, you watch Carson Cooper's tape, and he's definitely like a high upside guy. Um, he's still pretty raw, but you know, Izzo said he's been developing. He's been developing really well, and you know, and you know. <laughs> we need bodies, so depth can't hurt. Yeah, depth can't hurt. And you know, if he's good for four minutes and if he's good, if he's like Maddie his freshman year, where <laughs> he's gonna go out there like a force of nature and run around like a bull in a china shop, then goon it up. Yeah, goon it up, more power tool. Um and uh, you know, I like this comment that he said. I think Kyle Austin, I think I saw on his Twitter, like. We need to focus more. I, I need to make sure we focus more on how we can be mismatches for opponents instead of me always. What mismatches? What mismatches are there? Yeah, instead of what what we are the what mismatches us? Like, I like that. Basically, like worry about yourself and right. Just yeah, you can prepare for them, but like don't just stress out over the mismatches. Just just do what you know you can do, and then see if it works. Right. Instead of going, oh my God, how is how the fuck is Jackson Kohler gonna guard Zach Eady? <laughs> you go, <laughs> you go, okay. Uh what what can we do when Jackson Kohler hits two threes and he's forcing Zach Eady out of the paint and leaves the middle and leaves the middle of the floor open? Right. You know, can we get cutters in there? Like what kind of what kind of screens can we run to set that up? Right. I think yeah. that's I think that's how a young man coaches, and I'm I'm very happy to hear Izzo kind of adapt to to that instead of just like, all right, we're gonna put we're gonna put Jackson Kohler on the elbow, and we're just gonna see what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's definitely been a lot of things that Izzo has said and done over the last year or two that I I wasn't a big fan of. I I didn't necessarily agree with, but I I do like hearing him talk about trying to take advantage of some of those mismatches. I. I feel like one thing that Michigan State's roster has is there's a lot of flexibility and there's a lot of guys that can play a lot of different roles. And I, I think that gives Izzo the the ability to have some pretty unique looks that, that are coming at guys. I, I think we have a lot of shooting even from guys at the five like Kohler and other guys like like Hauser and Hall. I mean, we, we can definitely stretch the floor really at all positions and we have good size. I in athleticism, I, I know it's not the most talented Michigan State team we've ever seen, but I I think Izzo can definitely take advantage of some of those mismatches and beat teams that are probably more talented than than MSU is this year. Yeah, I mean, so we'll see, and and also like, you know, he said that he said that um, Jane Aikens is going to take a little longer to to fully recover from from a chip in his foot. Um, he said he's going to be another three to four weeks. Should should still have him back for the start of the season. Which fracture season is here. Yeah. Um, you know, Izzo said he's down there. He's downstairs. He's downstairs cranking it on the exercise bike, which phrasing, but. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah. And then we we got word that people thought Malik Hall broke his toe, 
but he yeah. didn't. He just he stubbed it. Um, at least that's what that's what Izzo said. I think on the pod with Draymond Green, he said like stubbed his toe. Now that could be like okay, that could be he's sore. He's ready. Run. He's ready. That could be like yeah. I don't want to freak out the fan base that's listening to this podcast. But I mean, I, I think Izzo's so transparent with people that if it were really bad, he probably would have said it. You know, I, I, he's not like Mel Tucker and that's good and bad for both of them. Um, but yeah, if you haven't listened to dream on green podcast, time is episode, go listen to it. It's really good. Um, like they just, you can feel the love that they have for each other. And like, it's just so cool hearing Tom talk about his journey to where he's been and like Draymond, like how he just, and him and Draymond, their relationship evolving. And then like his thoughts on NIL are, are really intriguing. And I, I think he's in the right path. He's not like this stubborn old man about it. And I'm really glad. And after hearing that, I'm done. I'm done predicting like his replacement or like who's going to replace him. I think he's here for another five, six years. Yeah, no, I, I, I absolutely agree with you. I think that's a good, um, I think that's a good pick. Um, so, you know, we'll uh, we'll see what happens, um, you know, in the, in the near and distant future. But uh, that's really all I have to say about basketball. Yeah, yeah. I had to get a I had to get a joke in about Jamie kids cranking it on a cranking it on the <laughs> exercise bike. You got anything else for basketball, Tyler? No, I mean, I, I think you guys covered it pretty well. Um, should be an interesting season. I'm a little skeptical of how the early games will go. I, I know there's a lot of really tough opponents. There's been a lot of bitching on Twitter, but oh, I, I have I have faith in Izzo. I, I think his comments over the last few months have kind of shown a different side of him that maybe hasn't been as obvious the last couple of years with some of the struggles. And I, I do think yeah. he is embracing the modern game more than some people like to give him credit for. So I, right. I think that he'll get get everything on the right track and, you know, keep the turning streak alive and just obviously build with the recruiting class that we have coming in next year. Yep. It, it's going to be a season of growing pains, but next year could be fucking amazing. Yeah. And, and, you know, this could be one of those seasons where it's just, you know, this is the kind of season that, that is building towards something, right? This isn't going to be, this isn't the all in championship season, right? This isn't 2020, even though that only resulted in, in some championships, um, stop Asian hate, um, virtual championships, not like physical championships. Um, But yeah, this is a season where, you know, guys are going to take a lot of lumps and they're going to learn and they're going to grind. They're going to get better. And in 2023, we'll have grizzled veteran leadership, talented young guys. And, you know, that's kind of the, that's kind of the, that's kind of the recipe for, for success for Michigan State basketball. And, and with the, and with the, the depth, quote, with the depth, quote unquote problem, you know, I'll, I become more believer in, um, I become more a believer in, in, in the shorter roster than, than I initially was because I truly believe that, um, that if you look at the teams that have gone far in the past, like that have gone on deep tournament runs, they only play seven deep. I mean, Armando Baycott 
was playing with basically a fucking broken leg. <laughs> and he was still getting and he was still getting clutch minutes for, for North Carolina last year. And they were in the goddamn championship game. So um yeah, sorry. Uh, I think we're gonna be all right. But yeah, I, I kind of hope I kind of think the season might be closer to like 0708. And then next year could be like our 0809. Like we're really fucking good. And hopefully it doesn't end like that. It might be a little, hopefully it's the happiest ending we could think of. Um, sorry, poor phrasing, but, um, or the best ending we could think of. Um, I mean, that's all I got this week. Do you want to talk the big reveal yesterday? Yeah, we can real quick to close it out. So if you're living under a rock, um, Deadpool 3 got revealed officially yesterday by Ryan Reynolds and, drumroll, Hugh Jackman. Uh, I about shit myself when I saw Hugh Jackman walk behind him and just say, hey, you want to be Wolverine one more time? Yeah, sure. This, this and Fantastic Four right next to each other is fucking awesome. I can't wait two more years for this shit. Yeah, I mean, uh, my expectations were kind of tempered by... Um, hearing Black Panther, Wakanda Forever is going to be almost three hours, and then uh, the director of Blade stepping down due to scheduling conflicts, which is Hollywood nicety for um, creative differences. Yeah. Um, so my expectations, honestly, with the MCU are MCU are pretty tempered at this point. Um, you know, I just think they're kind of spreading themselves too thin creatively, and it's just. It's post end game. They haven't really had anything that's really that's really had a sustained like impact on on me and my thoughts in and on my thoughts on the on the cinematic universe as a whole. Like I don't I don't think any post end game project has cracked my top ten. So we'll you know we'll see. Um, but yeah, I mean, as long as they let as long as they let. As long as they let Deadpool be Deadpool and they don't try to PG thirteen it, um, I'm I'm okay with I'm I'm happy I'm happy Hugh Jackman's back. They revealed today that that they're not going to touch Logan. Like Logan's not going to get undone. Um, it's a variant. I wonder if he's a variant, or it could just be like you know Logan. Logan technically takes place in 2029. Yeah. So MCU five years 2024. Well, that's I mean it is 2029. MCU technically, unless there's some kind of weird calendar thing with the blip or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. I, uh, Marcus, um, Cosmonaut Marcus, who who runs a great YouTube channel called Cosmonaut Picture Show. I think he's got it right where the the pre-existing X-Men cast is going to get dropped into the MCU during an incursion. Um, I think that's mm. probably the most likely outcome. In what um, though? In, in either like either the war dynasty or secret wars or okay. or or a future project, I think that's probably the I think that's probably the best call. Um, so we'll we'll see. I mean, there's already there's already mutants in the MCU. Kamala Khan's one. Um, Namor, Namor is one of them. Namor, who has been canonically a mutant, is confirmed to be a mutant. So I, I kind of have this prediction that the end of Deadpool three. Um, there's going to be like a time shift or like a warp and all of a sudden the new Wolverine is going to be in it. I would like to see a 
I would like to see a um I would like to see this is a this is a free gag idea for 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 Ryan Reynolds. Uh, talk about how much money Disney has now and that you should be able to meet one of the mainline X-Men. And then uh, Patrick Stewart and Xavier uh, wheels by and goes, oh, fuck off. <laughs> that's a free, that's a free gag. That's a free gag. I'm giving, that's a freebie. Uh, Tyler, do you have anything to add? I don't know if you're a, a cinephile or not. Yeah, I'm I'm not the not the biggest MCU guy. I I, I don't know too much about the comics and stuff, so I, I don't know too much about like predictions or what I'd want to see. But I mean, I was definitely excited. Um, I I honestly was pretty stunned that Hugh Jackman was coming back. I, I thought for sure that chapter was kind of closed. I I didn't really foresee that, but yeah, I'm yeah. I'm pretty excited. I'm I'm kind of with SD. I haven't been the biggest fan of the the post Endgame MCU movies. I I think that they've been pretty underwhelming for the most part um i I like spider-man and i i didn't mind thor i i definitely had issues with it but it wasn't wasn't awful um thought the other ones have been just okay at best but i i i do think deadpool should be really good i've I've liked the first two i think my biggest concern is disney being disney and making it pg-13 and taking away some of the the shock value that the original two movies had um and that's kind of pivotal i think just to the character in general so hopefully they just kind of let ryan reynolds and in that team have the control and just do whatever they want and kind of keep it going for the first two films but have to wait and see on that i think i think disney putting deadpool one and two and logan on disney plus was a sign that they're willing to make this work yeah i I think with some of the Disney Plus moves they've made, it, it definitely shows that they're stepping a little bit out of that, you know, PG, PG-13 vibe for Disney. Your comfort um, zone. Yeah I, yeah, I think originally one of the things that had been mentioned was that, like, Disney Plus would be more for, like, the PG, PG-13, uh, like, Disney shows, and Hulu was going to have a lot more of the the more mature shows for that Disney was producing. And it, it seems like they've kind of backed off of that and are, are well, putting more just on the D plus. So well on um, well in international markets, like Disney Hulu Plus, yeah. There is no there is no Hulu in international markets. It's all Disney Plus. And and the the CEO of Disney said recently that Hulu will be merging to Disney Plus. Like for us in the States, it's it's going to happen. But like Hulu was like a joint venture between all the big networks and like they've got to buy out Comcast, which is a lot of money. And once they do that, then then they can feel free to integrate Hulu into Disney Plus and make it like what it is overseas. So that'll be interesting. Um, yeah, that was just fun to talk about. I mean, Carter, we will definitely discuss it with him because he'd like was it you or him that posted the Trump that I'm going to I'm going to come. Was it you, Spartanog, or was it Carter? It was Carter. Carter, yeah. So, I mean, that, that's going to be fun. But, yeah, next week we're recording on Sunday night-ish. We'll drop the pod on Monday. And, um, you know, we'll have some NFL takes, I'm sure. But um, it'll just work out better because our, our good boy Carter is is moving on to being a, on the news, like Spartanog said. So it's going to be a different schedule, but it's going to work out better. Um, that's all I got for this week, Tyler. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, appreciate it. This was fun. Yep, no problem at all. Thanks for joining us, and uh, 
Fellas, um, I guess go green. Go geen. Go white. Go white. <laughs>